You are now tuned in to the Profit Link Up. Welcome to the Profit Link Up, your community connection to small businesses in the Memphis area. I'm John and I'm your host today, and our guest today is Carolyn Michael Banks from A Tour of Possibilities, African American History Tours of Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning, how are you? I'm fantabulous. Fantabulous. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, the tours. Well, we are now, in fact, we're getting ready to go into our eighth year here in Memphis, and our focus is on African-American historical and culture of the city of Memphis, something that I felt was a missing, and so we were here to fill that void. Fantastic. Well, what, what led you to, to establish the tour? I've been in tourism now for... 20, a lot of years, and I started in Washington, D.C., which is like one of the most perfect places to start a tourism career, and was very fortunate to become a general manager of one of the large sightseeing tour companies around the nation. And when I became the general manager of that operation, I thought I had some you know, you get a promotion, you think you got some authority. So I decided to add African-American history to our script because it was missing. Absolutely. And so I did the research, got everybody trained, and then I heard that the CEO wanted to find me because he didn't live there, but he just I just <laughs> knew he wanted to pat me on the back. And when he calls me, his question is, so what's all this black stuff? And I'm like, okay, so was there grease on the seat? Do I need to send somebody, you know, send somebody a check? I can do that because I'm a good GM. And he's like, no, it wasn't grease. And this is 1989. And he tells me I'm getting letters, I'm getting calls that people are just too uncomfortable with this information. And I said, well, hmm, history can be uncomfortable. Sure. African-American history can be extremely uncomfortable, but does that mean we don't include it? Absolutely. So uh, long story short, I ended up getting um, transferred to Savannah, Georgia to open up that operation. I added, sorry, I added African-American history because it's history. Then I was transferred to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, did the same thing. And then I was downsized. And I must say, it took a lot for me to kind of wrap my head around that because I had traveled around the country. But the bottom line was it was an answer to a prayer because I was like, you know, if I had some time, I would do this on my own. And that's when I started a tour of possibilities in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. And what led to the move then from Philadelphia? To it was Memphis? a man. It was a man. So, yes. So in Philly, I met the man in my dreams who put a ring on it. And <laughs> he happened to live in Memphis, but was from Philly. But that's how I got here 22 years ago. Okay. Fantastic. And still married. And Correct. still love them and like them. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, that is a wonderful thing. I, I can tell you from experience, marriage uh, marriage to the right person is an amazing, amazing thing. Yes, because I was married once before, and that's another story. <laughs> that is. <laughs> <laughs> being married to the wrong person, uh, being married to the right person is a little bit of heaven. Uh, being married to the wrong person is a little it's bit a of a challenge. Nonsense. was a challenge, but a learning experience. <laughs> to be sure. Well, uh, what has Memphis been like for you in terms of receptiveness then? And, and it was, was there a difference in what you saw in the receptiveness in Philadelphia? than what you saw in, in Memphis? Um, the difference between Memphis and Philly primarily was Philadelphia's Convention and Visitors Bureau had something called the Multicultural Affairs Congress. Okay. And it was their purpose to make sure that when people came to Philly, they had more of an opportunity to do more than eat Philadelphia cheesesteaks and see the Liberty Bell. Right. Um, here in Memphis, it took a little, a little time, mm-hmm. 
because we have sold Memphis so much as Elvis and barbecue. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we've been selling the, the city as. Right. So I think it, it just took a little shift. And now the shift is happening. Uh, there's a recogni- there's a recognition that there's so much more to the city than how we've kind of portrayed it before. So now the doors are opening and there is now a time of maybe it is time we, we do a little something else because we're so rich here. Well, I was wondering that if, if as as times change and people become awareness, or people are taking a, a more realistic view of our of our history as a as a nation, if we're seeing a a, a, a great rejuvenation, maybe not a rejuvenation because it hadn't been there, a great uh, peaking in uh, an appropriate peaking in interest in cultural issues that that to me memphis is is sort of the the cultural nexus uh of america in some senses and in some of the african-american experience it's coming about but it really has to be exposed because as i mentioned when i first came to memphis all i knew was barbecue elvis and the fact that dr king was assassinated here i had no idea there was history around every single corner. So I think the fact of all the things that have happened in our country over the past couple of months, years, um, is, 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 is showing some kind of awareness. And there, there, I think has been an awareness, but there wasn't anything on the table for people to eat from. Hmm. It's like, they kind of wanted to know, but didn't know where to go to get it. So it was my mission in my mind to not only build the table, but to create this kind of, plate for people to eat from and and digest it in small quantities and if I hit this mic one more time uh, <laughs> it, 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 eat it in small quantities because it's a lot to take in sure and the one thing my for, my former CEO had correct was it is uncomfortable at times right but the fact is truth cannot be buried forever hmm. and people always want to talk about this change but you can't happen unless you know what what's going on right and a lot of us, unfortunately, our education has been very limited, especially in terms of the African-American experience. Mm-hmm. And I have learned very clearly that what you have learned in the past truly filters everything you see today. Mm-hmm. So if you've never been taught things that you perhaps should have been, it's really kind of un- hard to understand what we see today sure. with, with the right sense, the right context. Right, and and how is the uh, receptiveness to that? I, w- I would think that that obviously within the African American community, to to see some of that culture celebrated, see some of that history uncovered, that that had been covered from all audiences, yes. right, mm-hmm. uh, would be amazing. Are you seeing uh, you seeing that same sense of wonder in all audiences? Absolutely. In fact, the way our demographics um, come together at Tour Possibilities is we have about. 60 40. 60% African American, 40% non African American. So it looks about like the city of Memphis. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the other thing that I think, in terms of how I see this, is that when people go to my website, it's real clear what we do. I don't like, oh, we'll get to just add a little information. No, you need to know that when you get on this tour, this most likely is not like your traditional tours. Mm-hmm. I believe in having a good time. I, sure. We do it all. <laughs> but you have to get some stuff that you may not know or you may not have been able to connect the dots that you heard about in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. We, we we give the information, but I think it's the way we give it that really sets us apart from others. What do you hope somebody comes away with after they've done a tour? 
First thing is, I hope they come away with the fact that Memphis is so much more than what's on TV news. Hmm. And and one of the messaging changes I've made is to make sure that Memphians do this. This is a not for tourist only kind of tour. Because most people, not just Memphis, most people do not take tours of their own hometown. You know, they get guests in, maybe they take them around a little bit. But I want Memphians to see what's in their own backyard. So when people do visit, they go, oh, let me tell you, there's so much more that we can do that you're here. Mm -hmm. But I think once Memphians and others come to visit, they just walk away feeling differently about this city. We played a tremendous role, for example, in the civil rights movement. Before I came here, I had no connection to any of that. Uh And one of my sheroes, Ida B. Wells, for example, had no idea she had such an influence in Memphis and around the world. But she was here in Memphis for 10 years. And now we have a statue of her and all that. But it's just, I want people to get a sense of this city being more than perhaps they ever imagined. Well, I, I think it's an interesting opportunity to deal with uncomfortable truths and yet come away exhilarated and more uplifted by it and finding more that we all have in common in our common humanity and and in addressing historical difficulties, but pointing towards an amazing future. And that's why the name of the company, Me, was so important. A tour of possibilities had to speak to what can be possible. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that only this possibility comes through once people can recognize what really happened, where we really are, and therefore see where we can go. But you gotta look at where we've been to really get a clear view of where we're going. Absolutely. Well, uh, this seems like a good place to uh, take a break and tell us how people can find you, how people can uh, can get tickets for the tour, uh, when the tours run, and, and uh, how to get a hold of you. Certainly. If you go to atopmemphis.com, atopmemphis.com, that'll bring you to all my social media, first of all, but also that's the place where you get to choose which tour experience you want. You could either do the tour with us live as we go around the city. It takes about two and a half to three hours. We now do a virtual tour. So the one thing that the pandemic did, besides almost break me in two, but it didn't, just, I just bent a little strongly, but it gave me an opportunity to develop a tour that I can now bring to people wherever they are in the world. So even if you can't get to Memphis is a way of doing this virtually so that we can have that kind of experience. And then I now have what's known as the private tour, which is really doing well because people like doing tours, but they really don't want to be in a bus of 36 to 100. So you 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 choose who you want to be with you. We hold up to, to 10 people in our in our van and often we can customize the tour. So instead of it taking two and a half to three hours, it could be a six hour tour. We can make stops where you want. So we, we have developed systems so that it can be the tour that you want it to be, not the tour I just want it to be. Oh, that's fantastic. But well, uh, I suspect then you have some, some birthday parties and, and things like that. We have girls trips. I mean, we it yes, birthdays, anniversary, wedding anniversaries. That's coming up lately. People are like, we want to do something different other than just go out and eat and drink. Maybe we should feed our souls and feed our minds as well as our bodies. And that's kind of what they do. And, and the thing I'm loving about the virtual experience is I've had a chance to work with businesses in Memphis because I'm also of the belief if you work here and you service the community, you should know the city. Absolutely. 
And so I've had the Renaissance Convention Center, when they reopened, they wanted their staff to know the city. Pinnacle Financial Partners wants the people who are servicing Memphians to know. Teach for America wants to make sure that the teachers are aware of the, the community that they're teaching in. So it's been bigger than I had ever actually planned. Cause you know, you make your plan and God laughs, but I mean, I made my plans and then, you know, COVID I'm telling you COVID as horrible as it was really gave me an opportunity to do things that when I look back on my business plan, it was actually in there, but I never really paid attention to it till I had nothing to do for several months. I said, let me look at the old business plan. And, and I had really looked at doing this virtual experience and, and now I'm doing it. So I'm just, I'm thrilled. Uh, I love that. We, we've had some of the same things. I've tried to look at it with with, uh, with my staff, and as much as I would have never wished COVID by any stretch of the imagination, but when I look at it, to say, okay, there are blessings in every challenge. Yes. And great. This gave us some time to sit back, reflect, reevaluate things. What would we want to do if we had the time? By the way, we have a little bit of time right now. Whether or not we wish we had that time, oh, yes. we have it. Let's do the things we would have never gotten around to had we not. Okay. And so did the, the virtual tours, were they born out of COVID or did they happen ahead of time? No, they were. It was really born out of COVID because I couldn't I couldn't do this. Right. And and so I just had to figure out how to how to make it work. Um, one of the first pivots, though, because people, you know, that word is now like so overplayed. But I was pivoting so much I was doing pirouettes because <laughs> anyway. But the first pivot I did was to make a contactless tour, which was called the caravan tour. Okay. And guests would stay in their cars, connect to us via Zoom link only by audio, not by video and drive by behind our van through the city so they could stay in their own vehicles, breathe on the only people they knew, and then still have the experience. Wow. And now that things have lifted just a bit, we're allowing people back on the van now. Now, uh, what percentage of people are doing virtual versus doing the in-person tours? We're probably only about 25, 30% virtual right now, okay. but it's a new product. So it, you know, part of my mission is to make sure people know it's available. Um, and now I even am working with a third party that's going to allow me to do the virtual experience for individuals in a way, because right now it's designed for groups. Mm-hmm. But you can have a friend in New York, you can have a friend in California, you can have a friend in Paris. You all want to get together and do a tour. I now am working with a group that has a platform where you could all get on the tour at the same time, wherever you are in the comfort of your own home. And I'm there doing a live presentation. It is like so cool. cool. Oh my gosh. So technology, as much as I, I, I I have now learned to embrace it a lot more, um, has given me opportunities beyond my wildest dream. That's fascinating. So have you been able to get any traction uh, with schools? I think this would be a wonderful opportunity educationally. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yes. And and schools, again, it's just a matter of them getting to know that I exist. And as you know, in business, that is huge. So, yeah, I'm starting to uh, to work with some schools. In fact, we just did Southwest Community College. We did University of Tennessee Health Science Center and Brighton High School out there. I can't remember where they are in the in the in the Memphis area. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, so if someone takes the tour, they go on the, the uh, let's, let's say, the, the, the standard two and a half hour tour, mm-hmm. what are the biggest takeaways you expect them to have? Ooh, it really depends on how much they know, to be honest with you. Um, one of the things that people tend to go, mm, 
is when we're leaving Slave Haven, one of the stops on the Underground Railroad, and I start talking about my experience in terms of how I was taught history. First of all, I never liked history. Never liked. I don't like to use the word hate, but it comes close. And the reason is I couldn't connect to it. You know, it was dates, it was wars, it was, but I wasn't in it, actually. Sure. So when I'm leaving that particular site at Slave Haven, and I'm talking about, you know, when I grew up, we learned about that document. You know, that document that Abraham Lincoln wrote, and and I was taught that that was the document that freed those who were enslaved. And I do ask a lot of questions on tour. So, and I said, so what was the name of that document? And people may get Emancipation Proclamation. I'm right. I said, but were you taught that that was the document that in fact freed those who were enslaved? And most people go, yeah, that's what I learned. I said, but did you also learn that it only freed those enslaved in Confederate held territories? Right. Now here's just one extra line that just could have been in the class, but I never heard it. Sure. And that, and in, and in Memphis, the reason why that's so significant is because the Union soldiers defeated the Confederates here. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, it meant that those who were enslaved in Memphis were not freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. They had to wait for the ratification of the 13th Amendment, and that was not until 1865. Again, I kind of remember hearing about this 13th Amendment thing, but what I didn't hear was the loophole in the 13th Amendment. And the loophole is everyone is now free, everybody. Mm-hmm. unless you've been convicted of a crime. Again, one more sentence that changes the whole understanding of this 13th Amendment. Absolutely. And when I say crime, I'm not talking like mass murder. <laughs> it could be jaywalking. <laughs> it could be. Exactly right. So, and and I, I guess the thing that really gets to me the most is now we're having situations in our country where we are legislating to make sure certain parts of history are not taught. Hmm. Not as if they were taught before, but now we're going to make sure that it's definitely not taught. Hmm. And so my question often to my guest is, because I really want people to think, I don't just want to tour on your right or on your left. I want you to think about if we are legislating what we should learn, should we not be outraged, not about what you think you might have to learn, but the fact that we're starting to legislate things that you should not know? That's where the outrage should be. And that should make you question, why is it that you don't want us to know this? Start to question things that should not just be. Right. It just, you know, and I think historically, because everything I do now is based on history, right? And I think about a period of time where those people who were enslaved were, were could not learn how to read and write. Mm-hmm. Why did they want to keep that from those people who were enslaved? Sure. What would happen if they learned some stuff? Right. And we did in spite of. But here we sit in 2022 And we're starting to question, or we should be questioning, what don't they want us to know? What could be so bad? And if it was bad, it was bad, period. But if you don't recognize what happened, you are not able to see that we're still dealing with the same things today. There's some people who come on tour who think that certain things like voter suppression is new. I'm like, no, this is really baked into where we've been. But if you're not aware of that, this is what we used to do. This does feel new, but it's not. But if you had known that, would you have said, "Uh oh, I'm starting to see something that looks a little familiar. What can I do? 
So the other thing I want my, would like for my guests to do as they kind of exit is to start to think about what they can do. Because we all can do something. Absolutely. You know, I may not be out in the street with a protest sign, but I might be on the phone calling my senator. I might be sending an email somewhere or I might be having the conversation in my home that I need to have. Right. And when people say, but I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, do you realize nothing changes unless you're uncomfortable? Sure. And it's okay to be uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable, I need to have a conversation with you anyway. I think we've been unwilling to have uncomfortable conversations. I think we've perhaps, uh, to your point, we've we've oversimplified history to a bunch of narratives that is so simple they're not true anymore. That we that we like simple stories. We like uh, a George Washington. And the Never told a lie. Yes. And it, we know it's not true, and we're willing to teach it because it's simple and yet then we wonder why our students don't like history because they don't see it reflected in real life that if you lied to me about some things in there why would I why would I like it why would I love history if it's if it's not telling me the whole truth that's right and look at me now I mean I so I use dates a lot because I didn't understand before why important how important they were mm-hmm. but if I'm telling you a story it could have taken place in 1898 mm-hmm. but I'm really telling you a story that took place in 2021. Mm-hmm. And without me telling you the difference, you wouldn't know. Wow. So that's why when, when I share history, it, it comes from a different place. Sure. And I'll tell you, the only reason why I was good in history was because in my house, the only C allowed on my report card was the C that started my name. Mm. So I was good at things because I had to be, right. but I wasn't really digesting it because it wasn't connecting to me. Sure. And I truly believe we do a, a real disservice to our students how we teach this subject. Absolutely. Because it, it was horrendous. And I went to Catholic school. Not that that has anything to, not that that has anything to do with um, learning, but it was a really forced learning sure. kind of thing. And, and, you know, nuns have their own thing. But, um, but we have so much, so much more we can do. And here's the other thing that gets me. We now know truth to a lot of the stuff we were taught. Mm-hmm. But yet, as you just kind of alluded to, we're still choosing to tell the same old stories because we have for so long. How does that forward us as as a world? It doesn't. And we have choices. And the fact we walk around with computers in our pockets and still we have more access to information than we've ever had. And we still don't go for it. Sometimes because of what we hear. Sometimes it's the narrative that we hear. And when we choose to hear only one narrative, that's dangerous. Well, it is. And, and it's so important why these conversations are important when they're, even when they're uncomfortable. It's important to see, even with people you might disagree with on some, on some of those things, it's important to get that 360 degree view. Can I understand where my neighbor's coming from? Our experiences may be different. I grew up differently than, than somebody, even that might appear to have all the, 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 uh, the, the same cultural things that I have. We're very different. And can we listen to each other? Can we talk about these things? And can we talk about real and uncomfortable truths and things that that maybe cause deep pain? That that's where the growth comes from. I haven't ever learned anything from things that came easily. That's right. I learned from things that that were difficult. And disagreeing, there's not a problem with that. There is a problem with when you disagree and you get 
violent about it. Sure. And unfortunately, now it's kind of like, if you don't believe what I believe, I don't even want to hear you. Right. And I think that's where we've come to, and that's what we've got to get away from. Because my growing up experience has me be who I am today. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the projects in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And my experience is going to be different than someone who didn't. But because of that, I want you to be able to sit with me as we're doing today and we can have a conversation about that. Because there's things that you experienced growing up that I have no idea about. Mm -hmm. Things that I grew up that you don't. But when we start talking, you can go, is that right? And then vice versa. That's what has to commonality to human experience. And it's there. It's just this fear of, you know, you might say something that I don't like. Yeah, well, I might. Come on. Put on your grown-up. Right. That can happen between genders, too, that I haven't experienced uh, what you experienced as a woman. But we need to be able to have conversations about those things so we understand each other. And that's why, to me, education has lost its its not purpose, but its mission. Education should be that the vehicle allows, allows us to learn things we don't know. Period. And once you get to a point where you can then decide which way you want to go, that's fine. But give me the opportunity to learn what I need to learn. Then I might be able to just really kind of work it out in my head. But not having the knowledge is, the, I think, the worst thing we can do to the citizens of this country. So what's the challenge for you in getting the word out uh, about the tour of possibilities and, and, and differentiating from the other opportunities that, 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 uh, that people might partake of in, in Memphis? Uh, marketing is expensive. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was almost being penny wise, pound foolish, if that's, I'm never good with those phrases. <laughs> but, um, you know, I finally got together with a marketing firm and I now have like a social media management team that gets my message out consistently, you know, making sure they have my voice was important. Um, and, and it's, Working through all the things you have to do that as a business owner is just one of many things on my plate. But after almost eight years now, it's just really trying to get the word out. That's why I really thank you for this opportunity, because this is priceless to be able to be in a space where people can hear the voice and and what it is I feel about this company. So that's what's been really hard is to really try and, and get to as many channels as I can. I work with a number of third party uh, vendors, if you will, TripAdvisor, Viator, Guides by somebody, Tours by Locals. I mean, it's just... I am so sorry. Um, but that is is really the, the challenge is to just be out there enough, be visible. Last night, I was at the downtown neighborhood association meeting because mm-hmm. you never know where possibilities can come from. Absolutely. So when given the opportunity, I just I just really want to be present and let people know. What is the brand message you want people in Memphis to know about about the tour of possibilities? Know what you don't know, Hmm. learn what you don't know, and be excited about the city that you live in. Oh, preach. I like that a lot. We always tend to close in in, uh, what makes you uniquely Memphis. And I've heard so much throughout this that makes you uniquely Memphis. But how would you sum up what makes you uniquely Memphis and what makes a tour of possibilities something that that no other city is going to offer in the same way that Memphis could offer it? I think our raw materials, if, if that's a way to put it here in Memphis, and, and how I'm able to share the content 
text of what this city is really all about is what makes Memphis different than if I did this tour in Savannah, Georgia or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We have places in Memphis that are not anywhere else in the country. We have Mason Temple, where Dr. King gave his famous last and prophetic speech. That's here in Memphis. We have the National Civil Rights Museum. Yes, there are the museums similar around the country, but we have this particular museum here in our backyard that gives 400 years of history with a two-hour walkthrough. I mean, and it's, it's it's hard for some people to walk through it because it's right in front of you. We have Claiborne Temple, which is now being renovated. This is the place where the sanitation workers gather daily before their daily protest marches. This is where they convene. This is where they strategize. Stacks Museum of American Soul Music. It's just some of the sites that we have here that only Memphis has. Hmm. And so one of the other reasons why I enjoy telling the story is, God forbid, if something happens to the city and everything is wiped off the map, there's still a narrative that can be heard. But I want people to know that when you come here, you're going to come and see places that aren't anywhere else. That's fantastic. I I, I love that, that you're making sure that it won't be a forgotten history. We want to thank our guest, Carolyn Michael Banks of A Tour of Possibilities, African-American History Tours of Memphis, Tennessee. Interested in the history of the African-American community in Memphis? Visit ATOP at atopmemphis.com to schedule a tour. Thanks for listening to The Profit Link-Up. Tune in for more local business spotlights and stories of businesses that are uniquely Memphis. And maybe none are more uniquely Memphis than The Tour of Possibilities. Check it out.